talk. I'm glad you made it out for us. Um, before we begin, quick roll call. Uh, who of you is still on social media? Maybe um, right now or has been in the last couple of minutes. <laughs> All right, pretty much everything. All these guys that are still looking at their screen are probably resembling uh, this, uh, this giphy here. Um, so in our talk, we're going to focus um, on social media, but at the workplace. Uh, so we're focusing on platforms like this one, like Slack or Yammer or Chatter, you name it. Um, and uh, before we begin, uh, let me briefly introduce ourselves. Uh, you already heard something about us. Um, this is my colleague, Shirley. Uh, she's with the uh, Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society. And I'm um, uh, Thomas. I'm with the uh, FZI Research Center for Information Technology. And the both of us are working on a project called COCOS. Um, that is a shorthand for uh, complementing and competing. Uh, this project is funded by Hans Böckler Foundation, which is an institute for the Federation of Trade Unions in Germany. Um, and um, uh, our project is mainly dealing with the effect that enterprise social software has on participation at the workplace, uh, especially um, on the work uh, that is classically been done by workers' councils. Um, because these platforms are, at least in theory, able to empower workers. Um, because they enable a form of communication that is um, encouraging flat hierarchies and flexible processes, um, and they're giving employees the chance to communicate across boundaries, that is, across units, across functions, across locations, and more importantly, across hierarchies, because you can easily uh, chat up your CEO if you want to. Um, however, uh, our... Uh, project title sort of hints at the hypotheses uh, that we have for the effects of enterprise social software uh, towards um, workers' councils and participation. Because on the one hand, uh, these platforms are complementing, because workers' councils can use these tools um, to communicate with each and every one in the organization and ask employees for their concerns, for their problems. They can use uh, polling and voting um, to gather you know, the concerns of every employee. They can draft up new policies using collaborative text editing and so on. But on the other hand, these platforms are also a source of competition for workers' councils, because um, these platforms sort of um, battle for the um, attention of the audience, so for the attention of employees. And this attention is also shared with uh, managers, uh, both from uh, the HR side, the administrative side, um, but also from the leadership. And they can also uh, claim that they have direct access to all employees. They can ask them uh, for their concerns as well. And so they might say, well, do I still need a workers' council, or can I just use the uh, enterprise social software to sort of circumvent um, workers' councils? And considering the recent uh, scandal at Facebook, this is a timely reminder that obviously these tools are good for surveillance as well. Um, managers can use uh, enterprise social networks to monitor uh, what all of their employees are doing. So there's quite some pros and cons, uh, uh, but uh, Shelley's going to start with, the, um, uh, with a look at whether these platforms are really form of participation or not. Exactly. So our actual reason, um, our first research question actually was how participatory are enterprise social networks or media really? Because when you look at the literature, you really find that there are different levels of participation that people talk about. So different stakeholders talk about different levels of participation, which means that most people, when they talk about participation in the workplace, they actually mean clicking, people being online, employees just lurking around on the platform, but actually not 
taking part in decision makings or being empowered in any sense. Even though, despite that the kind of sale propositions of those enterprise social networks are to actually democratize the organization. So, first of all, to get into our whole topic, we had to look at why knowledge sharing is actually important. And we found out that knowledge sharing is key in an organization because in an organization we process data, information, and also knowledge, and it's very essential for an organization to do that and to have employees that can absorb information, find that, and pass that on in order to collaborate. So the more employees exchange their knowledge, the more knowledge can be created, and therefore the more effective business processes can be produced. So getting the right knowledge to the right people at the right time is the most important thing. And enterprise social networks can be a key to do that. Um, and enterprise social networks come with quite a bit of promises. Um, if you look at the sales pitches, they always um, say that enterprise social networks can drastically reduce the influx of emails, right? They promise to have zero emails uh, for, for the users because obviously every one of us gets tons of emails every day, but you can use these platforms as sort of a one-stop shop solution, solution um, and do pretty much everything that is uh, concerned with communicating with your colleagues or progressing uh, your project um, because they offer tools like um, uploading files at one place, uh, you have collaborative text editing, obviously you also have something like a calendar which uh, allows you to invite your colleagues uh, to certain meetings and Obviously, these platforms are also uh, sort of embracing this always-on mentality because um, you can use them not only just with your desktop computers at, at the workplace, but you can take it home if you want to or uh, take it uh, anywhere else using your smartphone or tablet. And so there are some, some hazards there as well. So I'll come to that. So what the problem often is that however all those promises that exist, there has been many, many, many studies that actually show that those enterprise social networks are not effective at all and they're not being adapted. So people invest, especially like managements, they invest a lot of money, but in the end people don't use it, the employees don't use it. Why? So there are several reasons. For example, organizational culture. There's often like a misunderstanding of the adoption of enterprise social networks because the people that implement those tools, they're not aware of the organizational culture. If it's a startup, it's easy. People are super collaborative and they know all those tools and they're very like digitally native with them maybe. But if it's a more traditional and hierarchical organization, you have to take that into account when bringing in enterprise social networks. Then there is another issue, the lack of transparency. Because often when those enterprise social networks are being implemented, they normally go through like back doors. So like some department in the organization just decides, maybe it's the IT department, well, let's just have a new tool, and they just like put it out there, and other people, other stakeholders are not aware. For example, works councils don't know about it, or the HR, or any other departments. So that's a really high um, problem, because people are not really included in the implementation process. <laughs> Further, concerning motivation, people often forget that there is a difference between a social network that I use in my private life and a network that I use in my working life. I'm not, I'm not as intrinsically motivated using an enterprise social network as being, for example, on Facebook. Because I'm not on an enterprise social network to find all my friends and to chat about my vacations. I'm there to work. So it's more like an extrinsic motivation, which means that the manager tells me, please 
post something every now and then, and um, I'll give you a raise or something like that. So you have like an extrinsic motivation. Often people forget that you can just not take the enterprise social network idea from the social network idea from the private life and just put it in the organization, and then that's it. Everything's going to happen easily. And then there are a lot of transaction costs that people often forget. Supposing that employees are going to document and archive and show what they're actually doing and sharing their knowledge means they're actually also very distracted from their actual normal business practices. Meaning that normally if I would have a job where I would like call people a lot, maybe it's not important for all the other people in the um, organization to know what I'm actually doing. So often there are like high transaction costs that are not being taken into account and not every enterprise social network is made for everyone. And what is also very problematic that not every employee is like a natural blogger. Not every employee is like perfectly um, well-educated or like knowledgeable or has the talent to put out their knowledge so other people can understand it. If you're in a department where there's a certain language, that's going to be a way different way to kind of put that out in the world than when you're in a different one. And thirdly, the most, I would say the most um, concerning problem is that there are a lot of information asymmetries that are being intensified and this can be highly problematic because knowledge sharing actually really influences formal and informal social structures within organizations, which means that the possession, but also the absence of information, can alter social structures by positioning those who have information as powerful actors and those who don't as less powerful ones. All right, so we've heard the pros and cons about uh, enterprise social software. Um, now, the title of our talk was that we're going to um, give you a sort of a survival kit. And the way we're going to do that is uh, Shirley's going to take the worker's perspective, which is probably the more important one, whereas I am uh, talking about the manager's perspective. So what um, managers should do uh, and should consider before implementing um, social software at the workplace. So the first one being, um, it takes time uh, for communication structures to evolve in, um, in enterprise social networks. A study by Rima et al. in 2015 um, investigated the implementation of an enterprise social network at Deloitte Australia, uh, the professional services firm, and they found that formal hierarchies significantly influence communication structures, but only at the very beginning of an implementation. So over time, communication structures evolve. They became uh, broader and more inclusive. And the way these researchers measured this was by uh, looking at the number of replies to contributions um, that have been made by lower-level employees. At the very beginning, uh, the number of replies uh, to posts by lower-level employees was quite low, and it took quite a long time for others to respond. And it was much quicker uh, for managers or higher-ups in the uh, hierarchy ladder. However, over time, uh, this sort of equalized and uh, the number of replies uh, increased while the response time decreased. Um, however, early adopters seemed to profit most from this process as they were perceived as role models and lead users um, by others. Yet managers need to find the balance between acting as an active role model, um, for instance, by valuing the ideas of employees and their colleagues, taking them seriously, which also means implementing their um, change proposals and uh, suggestions for improvement, while simultaneously giving employees enough freedom so they can unfold with their own ideas and problems, which is quite a tricky mix. Um, one shorthand that you can use is um, that 
uh, you should ensure a balanced mix of both uh, junior and more senior employees present at the, um, uh, at the social network. On the other hand, it's very crucial that you don't only think about um, an implementation of enterprise social network or software as an IT project. Rather, it's something that you need to think of uh, with more stakeholders and as a whole. Uh, ESNs can possibly change your organizational culture, as we heard before, but this takes, again, a lot of time and effort, especially when it comes to platforms for internal crowdsourcing, for instance. Research found that they work best in a trusting, collaborative, and outcome-orientated environment. Interestingly, if you don't have that sort of organizational culture, and I guess most corporations in Germany don't have that, um, you can get there uh, using tools like uh, enterprise social software because, again, they promote flat hierarchies and flexible processes. However, you need to be aware of your current culture, and in order to transform it, you need to involve other stakeholders, um, not just the, the uh, IT personnel, but rather HR, administration, and very importantly also um, the workers' council. Because only in this, uh, by, by involving all the stakeholders, you can get together at a table and draft a set of rules, um, which is the last uh, sort of learning from, from research from my side. Because a study by Richter et al. in 2016 found that, um, well, they looked at obstructing factors um, for the introduction of enterprise social software. And one main finding was that ESNs can obviously also complicate communication at the workplace. Um, and this is particularly happening when information is not targeted. Uh, you might know this when using Slack and people post something with hashtag random. Um, so everybody gets spammed. Obviously, you want to avoid that. Um, and on the other hand, people really struggle uh, with determining how much time they should invest into social media at the workplace. Um, and this is only getting worse with the always-on mentality because uh, people take problems home um, checking ESN content after hours. Um, so companies should clearly communicate what they intend to do with an enterprise social network and how it should be used. For instance, by coming up um, with a best practice guide, best practice guide, I'm sorry, um, including information on how to best direct communication uh, to your colleagues. Um, and uh, managers should also think about even giving guidance on how much time employees um, could or should spend on these platforms. Interestingly, uh, some um, providers take their platforms offline on the weekends or after hours, um, which might be a good idea. And then finally, uh, you should make sure that you have the support by middle management as well, um, because they can be a bridge between, obviously, the um, uh, very high up uh, management and the employees and give them guidance on, on how to use these platforms, maybe even by introducing um, a system of sponsorship or corporate sponsors uh, throughout the organization. And now to the worker side. Yeah, so what can I actually do if I'm a worker or an employee? How can I actually survive the jungle of social media? There are several things that you can actually do. First of all, observe yourself and Look how you use social media in your workplace. How often do you use it? Do you use it on certain times or not? And then maybe talk to your colleagues and look like what kind of things you can maybe cut or not. Then there is a beautiful technique, it's called deep work, where you actually take out times and you say, okay, there's going to be zero technology right now and I'm just going to focus on this demanding task for five hours. So you could even go to your management and be like, I want to use deep work techniques, can you please just like cut me off for five hours? Then you should 
also talk to your colleagues and share your experience in order to find out if it's only you who's actually like suffering under those conditions or if it's like a common issue. Because then if it's a common issue, you can go together to the management and unite in a form and just try to negotiate and find better solutions. So my last um, takeaway is to actually inform yourself of your rights. For example, there has been a, de a debate in France and in Germany to actually have this right of inaccessibility, right? So you could talk about that to your management and be like, it is in your actual interest that I'm a healthy, sane worker, not being overwhelmed by all those social media trolls that are all my colleagues and um, sending me some cat content. Why shouldn't we just have a netiquette or a code of conduct, conduct and negotiate that I only have to be online on Slack or any other platform maybe three days a week? But then to actually have everybody to sit at a table, we need to collaborate all together. So the management as well as the workers have to sit on the table when something like an enterprise social network is being implemented. But the most important thing is to actually take the end user who is the worker and have a seat at a table for that kind of stakeholder group to actually have a very successful enterprise social network in the end. So our solution is obviously to collaborate. And uh, don't get distracted by uh, shiny objects, I guess. Um, all right, uh, this is uh, pretty much it for our uh, talking time. Um, uh, thank you so much for your attention so far. You can uh, read up all the literature that we brought up um, at hiig.de and uh, thomasfanknecht.com. And now, since this is an ongoing research project, we would like to hear uh, from you guys uh, about your experience uh, with social media at the workplace. And obviously, we're also open um, for your questions. So uh, there's, a, there's already some... Uh, some, some questions over there, so yeah, please start. Thank you very much. Interesting topic indeed. I, I can't quite see you because of the cam here. That's good. Now, now I can even read your slides. Um, I'm in, in a large company, and um, let's say I'm through the third, fourth, whatever iteration of social networks inside companies. And for, for one, it hasn't changed hierarchies, which is bad. For two, you said that the more knowledge in those networks is, the more efficient it works. I would object this. I find people starting to use those social networks, they throw in whatever they have. You literally find every PowerPoint night one time, you find it 20 times now. So is, is there any guidance from your side to, to get this into shape? Um, maybe I'll start with the, with the hierarchy side. Um, I guess the difficulty is that when you look at what research has done there, uh, is that um, obviously um, researchers are often only uh, looking at the activity that is going on on these platforms. And arguably, uh, the study that we quoted on early on um, only looked at uh, the communication structures on this information system on the platform. Um, and they, they claimed, I think rightfully, that um, communication there at least equalized. Um, then again, it's the question whether you and, and, and how you're able to transform this sort of communication to your um, uh, to your entire organization. And I guess it takes uh, even more time and effort um, to then uh, transform hierarchies there because uh, there's uh, so many inflicting factors uh, like, you know, coming up with fancy titles and having a hierarchical structure. And um, obviously, 
by only introducing this uh, enterprise social network, you're not removing that, right? Uh, you, you still need to work on these um, organizational structures in order to transform them. And if you still have them in the way um, of, of communication, um, then, um, well, you, you can't get rid of them just by implementing a software, which is why uh, we were um, um, advising to, to uh, don't just think of it as an IT project. Um, yeah, and I would say for, for the other question, um, when it comes to knowledge sharing, what I meant was that in an organization, the processing and transforming and translation of knowledge is very important, right? You probably agree with that. But it is very important to kind of just get the right knowledge at the right people and not at the wrong people. And what you're talking about is getting the wrong knowledge to the wrong people. So I feel there must be like structures. And when you like kind of take in the workers and the employees, knowledge and like experience into account when designing those networks, then you can kind of try at least to find paths to kind of like overcome this massacre of information in that sense. And then you can also, for example, you don't have to have an enterprise social network for the whole company. You can have one enterprise social network for department A and another one for department B and another one for department C. So maybe you should also look at the, the end you then in that sense, because some of the workers, for example, working in logistics need a whole different tool than somebody working in the startup in a different office. Does that answer your question somehow? Partly. Well, there's no, there's no, I guess there's no uh, simple solution for, for that, obviously. <laughs> um, and, and one additional comment here. Um, we found in our research uh, uh, quite recently that um, Organizations tend to use different platforms for, for, for different departments, for, di uh, for, for different entities, but this can also be uh, sort of dangerous, if you will, to the sense of participation, because sometimes um, um, you might end up with having the, the white-collar uh, workers uh, with um, forms of participation with an enterprise social network where they can participate, when they can come up with their own um, ideas, um, raise concerns and problems, whereas on the other hand, if you, the, you might have the blue-collar worker um, that is working in your logistics center and, and pushing around uh, packages and shoes, and maybe uh, they don't have a way to enter these, these platforms, which is obviously a bad thing if you consider that what you want to have everyone participating, um, um, each and every employee. All right, further questions? Well, I've um, <clears throat> heard more critical aspects in, uh, in your input about social media at workplace than um, positive aspects. I'm a journalist at a public broadcaster, and we have visited a very colorful uh, newspaper in Berlin, and uh, this editor-in-chief told us at an example uh, on the night of the coup d'etat in Turkey, um, they, they were using Slack, and um, so, so since months they were not mailing each other anymore, no mails at all, um, and Slack helped them on that night uh, very collaboratively to cover that thing very quickly. People came in, people, some Turkish colleagues who could translate, just translated online. So that sounded very attractive to us. And then we went back to our um, offices and said, let's try that. And then uh, what did not work was that we, we couldn't cut off, everyone used Slack, but next to Slack, we were emailing each other as well. So what would be interesting is, is there any idea how you can make this change possible and say, okay, all these other communication uh, ways are, are cut 
off now and now we use these new things. That, does that really work? I guess, I mean, as you explained, the, f the first example you gave, it, it explains or it shows that it can work, right? But I feel that the, your case is a specific one because it's journalism, where it's all about information, right? And being quick and processing that information. And it also was during an one period of time where everybody got empowered in that moment, having the drive to actually collaborate really quick because it's very important in that time to collaborate. And if you then take that tool and put it into your normal, everyday, daily business practices, it's not going to have the same turnout, right? And maybe it's also a whole different culture, so you have to take that into account too. So I feel it's, it's, we, we don't have the answer yet. We're trying to figure that out. We're doing some case studies now to figure that out. But I feel the key is actually really to look at the people who are actually using it. So you could go to your colleagues and observe them and be like, okay, so what would be interesting to use this platform for and what for do we need emails? For example, as a journalist, it doesn't make sense to slack your interviewees, right? It just makes sense to slack with the other reporters. So you can kind of divide that and just discuss what is the best for you, I would say. And just very briefly to add on that, um, I guess it's also worth considering whether you can... Um, delete or deactivate other channels of communication so that you don't have your employees just spammed and, and you know, frustrated with another communication channel. And although our talk was a bit, probably a bit negative on, on enterprise social networks, um, you find that when you, for instance, if you look at the uh, Berlin-based startup scene, um, many, many uh, young startups are using uh, Slack for, for their communication. Uh, and I guess uh, this is just, you know, uh, some form of expression that has um, gone very well with young people, young employees employees um, that like to use uh, the, the, these channels and who are capable of using them. Um, whereas when you go to larger organizations, um, they tend to regard this only as a form of spam and um, you know, be, are quickly overwhelmed with this uh, sort of information. So I guess um, there are good ways for, uh, to using enterprise social networks, um, but again, it needs time uh, to, to evolve and, and the right uh, sort of guidelines. I guess. We still have time for maybe one question. If there's none, I guess we can say thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, enjoy Republica. Thank you.